From the studios of WHUP-LP in Hillsborough, North Carolina, this is Dirty White Belt Radio. Innovative, often duplicated When enough people get on the trend I elevate it, make it way harder For them to follow what I take It hard to swallow like a lozenger Lodged in your trachea Goodness gracious, bruh, I can never make this up So just take your stuff Rake it up and take the bus Never fake the funk, you painted skunks You played enough, I'm lifting bars to outer space So the weight is up Fight, Welcome back once again to another episode of Dirty White Belt Radio. We're here in Hillsborough, North Carolina, the center of the known world. My name is Jeff Shaw, and our featured interview this week is someone I'm really excited to talk to. She's been in town training, in town going to open mats, and uh, sharing jiu-jitsu knowledge. One of the earliest, uh, I think, jiu-jitsu bloggers around, Julia from jujubjj.com, who has been blogging since June of 2010, is going to join me, talk about her jiu-jitsu journey, her time in Korea, her thoughts on training, goals, competition, and all other manner of jiu-jitsu culture. Plus, we will talk about the dude that took both of our blog's content and how we had to deal with that. So I'm really excited to get to that in our featured interview. But first, got to do a couple of things. First of all, i got to tell you how to get a hold of us. You can always email the show at cagesidewhup at gmail.com. You can get at us on Twitter and Instagram. Our Instagram is Dirty White and our Twitter is DWB Radio. We're also on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash cagesideradio. You can just search for Dirty White Belt and find us there. You can always subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And if you like us, please share the show and leave us a review. We're going to get right into it It, with the news segment. Um, As I record this, it's March 12th, and we've just had a terrific week of training. Dave Camarillo has just left town, and uh, the Pans Open Mat, which was at Chapel Hill Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, was yesterday. There was a ton of good training. So I want to take this opportunity to wish good luck to all of our local competitors who are going to compete at the Pan American at the Walter Pyramid in Long Beach, California. It's uh, the biggest in terms of participation Jiu-Jitsu tournament out there and so we're really looking forward to seeing how all you dudes and ladies do and uh, please 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 let us know if you're going to be competing so that we can follow along with you on flow grappling next weekend uh, March 18th uh, is uh, going to be an exciting weekend of jiu-jitsu as well my man Matt Jones from team Hoist Gracie Goldsboro is undergoing his purple belt test uh, which I've I have seen and it's rigorous so I'm going to drive out and check that out at Jake Whitfield School Hoist Gracie Goldsboro so um, I'm really looking forward to training with Matt so the weekend after that is packed with shenanigans. Let's just say that. It's packed with shenanigans. And two, there are two seminars. Uh, Tiago Hosha on Saturday is going to come to Tony Casarez's school, Lucas Lepree, BJJ Raleigh. That's March 24th. Um, you can find that on the Lucas Lepree, BJJ Raleigh Facebook page and pre-register for that. The following day at Elevate MMA, uh, March 25th, Seth Smith is going to be giving a, a no-gi leg lock seminar. Now, a lot of you who are listening to the show know who Seth is. If you don't, get familiar. Seth has is one of the best grapplers around, has a school upstream BJJ in Richmond, Virginia, and it's just tremendous at many aspects of jiu-jitsu, including leg locks. I took a seminar on leg locks with him back in 2012 at Andrew Smith's school, Revolution BJJ in Richmond that was just outstanding, still use a ton of that stuff. Uh, Seth is, I think, one of the more underrated guys out there just because he's a monster and is not as widely known as he deserves to be. So if you have ever wanted to learn how to play footsies really well, um, you should come to Elevate MMA on the 25th and, uh, and, and learn from Seth Smith. So those are some of the upcoming events. 
Um, March 18th, I also want to mention is U.S. Grappling Virginia Beach. Uh, please show up and support U.S. Grappling. Uh, you'll be hearing a lot about that in the coming weeks as well. Hey, Jeff Shaw. Yes, Betsy O'Donovan. I'm back at you for another edition of interesting questions that I found on the U.S. Grappling website, usgrappling.com. Are you ready? I was born ready. Here is one that surprised me. When you go to a U.S. Grappling tournament... Do you have to weigh in wearing the gi? In fact, no. At a lot of tournaments, uh, you do have to weigh in wearing the gi because they have uh, very onerous requirements that are totally not related to you having to buy an expensive gi from somebody's cousin if your gi gets disqualified. That's at other tournaments. But at U.S. Grappling, you weigh in no gi, and they put you in the weight class accordingly. So if you're underweight like me, then you can weigh in uh, you know, holding a cookout milkshake, vegan milkshake, or uh, whatever you want. Or you just kind of weigh in in your skivvies like a lot of guys do. Hmm. Well, for more rules and the full schedule of upcoming U.S. Grappling events, you can find them at usgrappling.com. Thanks for supporting our friends and sponsors. We'll see you at the next tournament. So without further ado, um, I want to get right into our featured interview so that we have plenty of time to talk about international travel, about jujitsu blogging, about training, about competition, about open mats and all manner of other things. So I want to welcome in Julia from jujubjj.com. How are you doing today, Julia? I'm doing awesome. Thank you for inviting me. Our featured interview today is brought to you by Toro Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Company. Toro BJJ produces the highest quality gis, rash guards, and grappling supplies for every Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu practitioner. You can check them out online at torobjj.com. Our thanks to Toro Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for making our featured interview possible. So let's get to it. Yeah, it's terrific to have you. You know, um, we've known each other from the internet for a while, which is, is interesting in this day and age, particularly in the jiu-jitsu community, how you get to know people that don't live in your area. Yes. And so, you know, many of us, uh, many of our listeners are going to be familiar with your blog, JujuBJJ. That's J-I-U-J-I-U-B-J-J.com, if you haven't checked it out. Um, but so I want to talk to you here from you, first of all, how you got the idea to start training jujitsu, and then we'll get into how you started the blog. Um, I got into training because I was fat. I had already changed my diet quite a bit. I had lost about 25 pounds and was at a point where I wanted to add movement to my life. So literally going in was just, I won. If I got on the mats, it didn't matter how I did. I moved my body. That was better than not moving my body. So especially that whole first year was just about going. And then, of course, I got addicted, so that as became one does. its own separate thing. <laughs> but I kept that mentality and that's how I mentally survived being the biggest in class and being just very visibly different and including I was in Korea so and most of my most of my teammates were young Korean males and I was older, fat, white lady. <laughs> And so you didn't have much of an athletic background when you decided to pick up jujitsu. Is, is that right? And you were you were probably in your thirties, early thirties. I was thirty three, and I had a black belt in TiVo. <laughs> What's TiVo for all the youngsters? In oh, the all those youngsters. So we had a fancy, um, fancy remote controls with a fancy little TV box, and it would record shows for you in the days before DVR. It was the DVR. 
It's funny how, fa- how how fast technology has accelerated. Given that, like you know, when when you and I grew up, a remote control was something that was still on the horizon. At least it was for me in, in my area. And now I have to explain to kids, like, okay, we used to have these things that were eight bit, and they were awesome, right? <laughs> like we made an eight bit rash guard for Toro BJJ, and like all the people that were like thirty and up were like, that is amazing. And all yeah. of these twenty year old kids are like, I don't understand what duck hunt is. Ah! <laughs> you know? I love duck hunt. Yeah, no, who doesn't, right? I kind of I kind of want to make a Photoshop of like the giggling dog, just because it'll tilt your opponent like just because like you can't see the giggling dog and not get angry like i hated that dog and i love dogs i i think you should uh put your dog oh. as the giggling dog i have been doing a lot of 8-bit <laughs> art lately so 8-bit penny the hound would be would be actually kind of epic <laughs> so to get to get back to your training journey you uh, so you mentioned you know so you're, you're someone without much of an athletic background you're over 30 and you're a white lady living in korea what inspires you to try brazilian jiu-jitsu uh well i wanted to do judo and the coworker who said he would take me basically didn't want to take me. And so he, after giving me a lot of run around, finally said, how about Brazilian jiu-jitsu? And I thought, oh, my gosh, that's not even close. That's like that's. And I, I remember thinking, that's that UFC thing with that Hoist Gracie guy. And it's like all macho and full of testosterone and the name is John Frankel competition team. So this is going to be terrible. And, and my friend and I, same situation, big white lady, we walk in and they're like, Oh, it's, you know, we're, we're doing a a special training today. We're not, it's not a normal class. We're like, we'll come back. We come back the next time. Oh, we're having like an open mat. No, we'll come back. We come back the third time. Yeah, you can sit in. Do you want to join our class? No, we're just going to watch. I tell you, I would not have put money on me staying at all. And I watched a class and I said, okay, I can do this. And I said, here's my money for a gi. And they said, do you want to come back next class? No, I'll come back with my gi is here. (laughs) And so once the gi arrived, I was like, all right, put on the gi. Let's do this. And it took one or two times, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I love this. I started going without my friend, and, yeah, love journey. Yeah, you know, I love that you got bait and switched. Like, have you tried one of the other martial arts? They're all basically the same. Let's <laughs> judo, jiu-jitsu, let's throw a little Krav Maga in there, maybe a little little kendo, some sword fighting. But, but, but obviously, you've gotten addicted, and this was seven years ago, yeah. seven years ago in June. And so, like, like many of us, you got bit with the jiu-jitsu bug. And you mentioned that you started your blog in mm-hmm. June 2010. Yep. So how soon after you, went, you, you were saying, uh, no, okay, I'll come back for this open mat, how, how soon after you, you started training did you start blogging? It was within a month. I remember I found jujitsu forums, um, jujitsuforums.com, and it was a really fantastic community, and I got really excited, and I started looking up jujitsu blogs, and at the time I found Val Worthington's blog, the Prancing and Sucking, which she now has her amazing book, Training Wheels, and so I, but I sat down and I read her entire blog, and it was like, this is amazing, I'm not alone, I want other people to f- experience this, and I want to share that love and let people know they're not alone, and just basically you know, more people like me and have open arms. So 
Yeah, I think Val was an inspiration for a lot of folks early on in jujitsu forums. Shout out to Jack Jitsu, who I understand mm-hmm. you trained with yesterday. I did. Yeah, it's very cool. It's, it's been really gratifying to, to see like the growth of jujitsu, and so now there's more of a situation where you can get to know people in your community. But you know, you've had this online community, and you sort of it sounds like you interacted with that both on a one to one basis and putting content out into the world. So what do you remember about your early blog posts? Like what was what was the first few things that you wrote about? I remember uh, getting really excited like here's my first um I remember it, within that first year and that first 3 months because that's how long I was at my first academy uh before I got kicked out for getting upset one day. Wow. Doing nothing. I want to be clear, like nothing. Um but within that thir- first three months, I, what I remember was, like, I did my first competition not knowing a darn thing about it. Um, I remember being really excited and sharing pictures of my new gi. I remember feeling really upset after my first tournament and writing about that because I, again, that non-athletic background, I had zero idea what to expect from a tournament. And... In zero way did my instructor prepare me whatsoever. And so I remember when they said, you're the, you're the only woman in this weight bracket, um, which at the time was, you know, 200 pounds. And I think there were two gals who were like 105 or something. So, mm. <laughs> But they said, there's nobody in your weight class. And then they walked me over to a stadium, like the podium, and put me on there by myself and handed me a gold medal. And I remember a feeling like, what are you doing? What? And I, it was the most humiliating feeling I had because, and I wrote about this on my blog, I was like, I feel like I got a gold medal for being the fat chick. And I went home and I just cried and I cried and I cried. And it was unexpected. At that same one, my instructor was like, oh, do you want to do you want to actually have a match? And I was like, yes. And so I got put with a 20 year old college boy. And I got I think I got submitted in 10 seconds and it was it was severe enough that I couldn't move my arm for like a month, like full rotation. And so the gold medal for being a fat chick and this you know super fast how sucky are you was just just me drinking beer and crying (laughs) so um and i and so reaching out that way and i remember val sharing some of the times when she cried and i remember feeling like oh my god i'm not alone so sharing that and feeling like you know if i share my vulnerability somebody else is going to feel not alone and somebody's got to be willing to be emotionally vulnerable and kind of open yourself up for criticism. And I think that's a hard thing of how do you sound like you're talking about these hard experiences without sounding like you're whining? Mm. Um, Because most, my blog's not a whining blog, but so it's, that's a a really hard voice to get. but that's also one of the reasons why I decided early on that you can only comment on my blog if you're being nice. And I feel like that has led a lot of people to f- be vulnerable on my blog and to share 
scary things and talk about PTSD, talk about crying, talk about their weird experiences, because I moderate the crap out of my blog. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like that was really, really important. You have a right to your own opinion, but doesn't mean you can say it in every space. So, yeah, there's a lot I want to follow up on there, and like I, I utterly commend you for the moder- the aggressive moderation. This is why I use my real name everywhere on the internet because I feel like if everyone have to be had to be accountable for the stuff <laughs> they said, the internet would be a nicer place. And I also believe that comment sections, like like it's interesting that we have these super powerful communicative spaces that often devolve in value because you have all this noise from people that are just trying to be rude or, or dismissive or degrading and, and you know w- without being all precious about it i mean that that undermines really good discussion and it undermines i think a lot of a lot of the productive things about the internet um so let's talk a little bit about like it sounds like you see your blog almost in addition to being you getting your voice out there as sort of a community space for folks that can that can um, engage with your posts. I, I do, and that's actually one of the reasons why I also absolutely don't allow my content to be completely taken and put somewhere else. Um, there have been a few times where I've like uh, just a one off where somebody's like, "That's a really cool thing." Like my to the fat person googling jujitsu, which I have to say I'm really proud of. Yeah, it was a great. And post. other people are like, "This is super inspiring. I want to share it." And I would contact them and say, "Hey, you know, I really appreciate that you've done this really cool thing. By you know, this is a compliment, absolutely. But I don't have my content on other spaces because I've been cultivating my comments, my my community." And the comments part is a very, very important part of that. I end all of my all of my blog posts with a question because that's part of being a teacher and facilitating conversation is that is feels really important to me. It's not just me telling my ideas. It's also like a collaborative thing. And so so generally speaking, my policy is if you want like link to it have you know quote uh, a paragraph possibly two but then get it back over to my site so that people can have that experience because i think it's a unique experience mm-hmm. yeah and so uh, uh, so let's just get into it then because like i mean your your blog is very much discussion based and mine yeah. my, mine is not and so i even go a little bit further like i'm a i'm an information wants to be free guy and so i don't mind if anybody wants to quote extensively from my blog i don't mind if like somebody takes one of my designs and like improves upon it you know all, i always say all my anecdotes are open source and part of that is because my blog i see is more like a self-expression or mm-hmm. like a hey here's a value thing that maybe if you can find something from it you use it as opposed to like my, my blog is less discussion based than yours but one of the ways that you and i have interacted on the internet because you mentioned your content has been lifted more than more than once and one of the ways you and i have interacted is the same guy I was scraping like content entirely from both of our blogs. Yes, and so I'll, I guess I'll give a little bit of the background. And like I think it was like my, my fiance Betsy was the first person to hit me to this, and I was just like, okay, well this is strange. It's a random dude that doesn't even necessarily appear to do jujitsu. Later it turned out he would, but like he had put a blog with his own name, like a WordPress blog, it's like a free blog, and had just set up a bot that would take all my posts, remove my name, add his name and location twice. 
And I'm like, that's really strange because I don't have, at that time, I didn't have any advertising on the blog or anything, and he doesn't have advertising on his blog. And so Betsy was really mad about it. And I was like, uh, okay, this seems weird, but I'm not going to do anything about it because it doesn't seem to actually be hurting me, and I, and I just don't have the bandwidth to deal with this. But then you either sent me an email or you posted on the blog and said, like, hey, the same, the same thing is happening to me. So how did you find out about it, and can you describe your experience with that? Sure. I, I remember um, I was looking through my comment section, and I got a ping back. Because I have tons of internal links on my blog. Like I, I reference other posts that I did. And so it's so if you're copying content from there, you're gonna copy my links. And so I got a pingback notice that said you know, that had his website. And I went to the website and I was like, this is really weird because it it was ninety-five percent mine with a couple of weird words that were changed. It was like just enough so he could be like, oh, whatever, it's it's not really just yours, please. So it was just bizarre. Like I, I think I said uh, some show rocks and he put it stones. <laughs> like, what are you the even The bot's not that doing? smart. The, the, yeah, the AI isn't ready to take over the world just yet. No, it was terrible and I, I, the first thing I did is I left a comment and I said, this is my blog. This is my, you know, this is my article. You got it. You got it from here. And I linked it. And then I realized there's no way that this guy is going to post this comment. I started looking a little further and was like found the Moby Dick article and uh, copy paste. Oh, sure enough. Dirty white belt. You didn't think some random guy on the internet would just re- would, would write about Moby Dick and jujitsu? No, that's no. Well, the weird thing too is you're taking all my stuff and you're obviously a dude. And sometimes I talk about periods, so <laughs> like as opposed to qu- quotation marks or like question marks or exclamation no, points. No, as in bleeding. I don't understand. Lady bleeding. Right. So uh, <laughs> yeah, so it's funny because this guy's name is on it, and it's obviously yeah, a male name, and yeah. you have these posts that are talking about lady things and boobs and. You know, just all kinds of things and not the way that dudes talk about boobs. So um, so I, again, commented, this is Dirty White Belt's blog. I then quoted I, or I linked it or something on your Moby Dick one and said, hey, this dude's lifting content. I He didn't respond at all. I looked up his email f- through the thing I or like, you know, contact me, filled something out nothing um finally i think i found like i i just i googled him and i found an email and was like hey dude you you took my stuff and can you please not do that and he said oh i'm not really i'm not scraping it it's um an homage (laughs) yeah it's like a remix or something oh my god and i'm like okay well could you please not do that yeah and then I posted something like two days later. He's like, yeah, I'll take care of it. Two days later, sure enough, stole content. I'm like, are you kidding me? Which then I was like, I'm not, I don't want to post something knowing he's just going to steal it. That doesn't feel good. And, and it's like when you call somebody out on something, they have the opportunity to either fold their hand or double down. And that dude just double downed and. Then I got that message from you. Yeah, yeah most definitely. And I'll, I'll, I guess I'll pick it up from here because here's what here's what's funny. Like I wouldn't be telling this story if it didn't have some kind of a hilarious resolution. Because for a while I was trying to figure out what his motivation was. Right? Like why would you 
because we were the only two blogs that he was really <laughs> lifting content from. He, I guess he had a few from Jiu-Jitsu Brotherhood. But it was like, why would you have this like random lady blog and this random like no- blog focused on the Carolinas and like fuse those? And this dude was up in New England. And uh, so a couple things happened. Like I have friends that train in New England. And I was like, do you know this guy? And one of them was like, yes. And I know some big, scary dudes he trains with. And I was like, well, we don't have to go down that route. Uh, I, that was going to be plan C. I had a I had a clever plan that I didn't implement because he was at the time pulling all of my all of my content, and uh, so I had this idea to like make a post on my blog that would simply like threaten some of the scariest Gracies and just be like talk all kinds of stuff like and I insert this guy's name from insert this guy's location <laughs> challenge insert scariest person I can think of just have him scrape it then delete the post from my blog and then send a link and chuckle, but uh, but I didn't. Uh, so instead, I just threatened him with legal action, and it took him like a month to take the stuff down. I, I guess the the lesson the lesson for me it's like one of the things you know our mutual friend Chrissy Lindsay always tells me that I'm a Pollyanna-ish optimist about human nature, and this is one of the lessons for me that like ostensibly you know one of the great things about jujitsu is that there really is a camaraderie I think a shared camaraderie among people who train and generally speaking not always but generally speaking that shared affinity is going to lead people to not be jerks for no reason and this is one of those reminders that sometimes people just decide to use uh, their own motivations uh, you know, to, to, to take advantage of you and uh, I don't know if you want to tell the listeners you remember why what what we discovered his motivation actually probably was ah yes because not only was he a content thief he was an actual thief and uh, what had gone through some litigation and had stolen from a homeowners association and now he and his buddies had to repay that. So what better way to get rid of Google searches that lead to that and instead redirect them to, oh, look it, this guy is so prolific in the jiu-jitsu community. We're going to I'm going to bury this because he was he was posting it on his WordPress, on his Tumblr and on at least one at least one other site. Yeah, it was totally an an attempt to distract search engines from these (laughs) news stories that were coming out about him settling this this embezzlement lawsuit. And so super weird. uh, You know, I don't know if that's of much interest to anybody but the two of us. But like if you're but, but, you know, if your content's getting scraped, kids, uh, you you know who to come to for for future advice. (laughs) So let's get back to training. So you mentioned that your early experiences with competition weren't positive ones. No. And yet you continued to compete. Uh, it was one of those every once in a while you see everybody else doing it and like, oh, hey, I'll do this thing. In Korea, though, it it was a real mixed bag because there were so few women competing. Um, just to give you an example, I was actually there when the first Korean female black belt got her black belt. And so, so women's jujitsu in Korea is still very, very small. And thankfully, you know, you have this amazing woman, um, Heejin Lee, who I got to train with. But you still don't have; it's still not as common for women to train, and it's even less common for women to compete. So there was one time I signed up for a tournament, and literally no other women signed up for the tournament, and. I, they would not refund my money. So I I was always kind of weird about, you know, so if I'm training, I'm like, well, I don't actually know if I'll get to compete. Uh, so it, it kind of, it changes that experience when you wonder, is this actually going to be anything? And it's more likely than not, not. <laughs> so 
Uh, the reason I signed up this time was because just like Val was saying in her book and like my professor was saying, it really does kind of speed up your progress. It's like shoving it in a microwave mm -hmm. and I've been cooking mine in the sun the whole time, you know. And I completely agree with that. And I do love microwave analogies. But the 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 uh, what I want to get at with you is a I've seen it happen a couple times where someone will be training jujitsu, enjoying it. It's a positive force in their lives and they'll compete and they'll have a, a bad experience. Like and, and you know, I, I've had a couple of friends like this, one or two bad experiences and they're done, not just with competition, but with training. And so I guess I'm wondering, like, what in you enabled you to push through that and what advice would you have for other people who are like, hey, I've trained for three months. I really enjoyed it. Oh, crap. I just got Americana in 15 seconds. That sucked. And that would keep them sticking with it. Well, I think that for me, one of the things is timing for for me, because obviously purple is your first really important belt. Um, and I've been at my same ring for a long time. Those strategies that got me on the mat and kept me emotionally happy and emotionally safe for the first three years are now kind of what's holding me back, which is the zero investment in how you actually do and zero investment in um, actual improvement. And so this, is, this has been a big thing that I've recently been talking about on my blog is emotionally investing in getting better. And that's a scary feeling for me because in no way do I feel great about <laughs> it. And so that's been opening myself up to emotionally scary things. But I also realize Basically, the the truth is, if I don't get my purple by this summer, I'm probably not going to get it for another two years because I'm moving. And so I said, you know what? This is a good time. I've been with my gym for a while. Um, this is my last opportunity for some real growth with an instructor who I've been with. So it's not me trying to game the system. It's me being aware of that. So for me, I think that was the biggest reason because uh, I have been spinning a hamster wheel for a while mm -hmm. with my training and I needed to do something to take it a little bit more seriously to get to that next level. Um, I think that for me, one of the things that helps though, if you have a bad experience is to remember why you were doing it and to come back to that and like I love the jujitsu community and I love meeting people. And so even if I never compete again, I'm still getting to do the things I love, which is be a part of a community and be part of um, and actually be a voice in that community. And I think that one of the things I've noticed is that a lot of um, sometimes I'll see women who will write in and they'll say, I'm having this really terrible experience and you know, maybe jujitsu is not for me. And I'm the first thing I think is maybe the gym is not a right place for you. Like maybe you're, you don't have a supportive instructor. Maybe you, because if you have a legitimate problem with somebody and you go to your instructor and they just gaslight you and they tell you, oh, it's, that's not actually happening. Or maybe you, maybe you interpreted that wrong. You know, Go to somebody who listens to you. And I think it's a balance, obviously, between somebody who's, you know, 
every little tiny thing upsets them and somebody who's been dealing with something for a really long time and they have an actual concern. And so I think the same thing happens with competitions. For me, one of the scary things about competition is um, because of that happy rainbow sunshine flowers and friends for everybody, kind of my little pony thing, it thinking about going aggressively against other women f- doesn't feel amazing. And it's not, I don't have an athletic background. And so I'm not used to being physically competitive with other people. And so that's a, that's a weird feeling to me. And I understand why it's not for everybody. Um, Long term, I don't think it's for me, but I do think it does something important to your training. So I think if you sometimes also take a break, you take a break and you decide, do I really like training? Is it my gym? Like, what are the things that I'm having problems with right now? And you give yourself some time to first emotionally disconnect a little bit and then to do an actual assessment uh, because if it's the environment that's the problem, change the environment. And if it's the people, change the people. If it's the competition focus, then go to a more hobby style gym and this is where I think that that kind of leftover loyalty issue uh, that is really imported from Brazil a lot of that feeling has this holdover in America and it's not necessarily appropriate especially for a casual jiu-jitsu person who really I'll put it this in a slightly offensive way. They're paycheck students. They are the ones who keep the gyms open. They're not going to be giving medals and fame and glory to their instructor. They just want to go and they want to train and they want to have a good time. And I think that when when they start to feel like there's this weird loyalty bind, like, oh, what's he going to think of me? And part of that is okay, I get it, I get it, but if you were doing a yoga class and it wasn't quite right for you and you went to another yoga studio, would you feel the same weird things? So I do see part of the American capitalism business model of if you're paying money to a place, you should feel comfortable there. So I think it's a complicated ball of yarn and that should be detangled a little bit but I think especially a white belt who feels really uncomfortable there's no loyalty issues there there's a I really I'm trying to find where my home is and I think that before you find your home it's totally legitimate to shop around for a comfortable home I want to talk to you guys about Cageside Fight Company for a second. I've been buying from Cageside for more than six years, and about 99% of the gear that I use is from Cageside. That's not because other companies don't make good stuff. They do. It's just that Cageside offers the highest quality products at the best value and, no joke, the best customer service I've ever experienced in my life. So whether you're looking for shin pads, whether you're looking for Thai gear, whether you're looking for Brazilian jiu-jitsu geese or Valetudo shorts, whether you're looking for the coolest t-shirts around, check out Cageside.com or come into their fight shop at one 
124 Lotter Road, right in Durham, North Carolina. You won't be sorry. Another thing I want to mention about Cage Side is they do more to support local fighters and local Brazilian jiu-jitsu competitors than just about anybody else. And so we've got to support the people that support us. Check out Cage Side Fight Company, 124 Lotter Road in Durham, North Carolina, or online at cageside.com. Yeah, there's a lot to follow up on there, too. And I want to mention that uh, if you didn't listen to our yoga show, it turns out there's just as much drama in yoga <laughs> as there is in jiu-jitsu, which, is, which I was surprised to learn. But if you listen to our Martha Katz interview from the yoga show, it's like there's yoga drama, there's lineage drama. I was like, man, this is amazing. It's like jiu-jitsu with like inner peace instead of chokes. <laughs> You know, so so that was that was interesting for me. I wanted to follow up on one thing, which is, you know, you talk about as the emotional investment increases, then the then the pressure increases as well. And I think this harkens back to the the discussion about crying earlier. And I cry all the time. And part of the reason I tell the people I train with that that's totally okay with me is like no one's ever cried about something they didn't care about. Right. (laughs) And so it's just an indication that you care. And like I tell I tell anybody that that ends up crying on the on the mats. I was like, dude, everybody cries. It's fine. It's fine. And and and. uh so that's my, my personal take on that. And I completely agree with your take about you have to find a place that's going to be comfortable for you to train. Not comfortable all the time because you're going to get your face smashed some of the times. But just like a, welcome, a welcoming environment where you feel like you're a part of that community as opposed to like, you know, someone that's otherized. Um, so, yeah. So uh, and you're also someone that travels around a lot to train or like uh, in in terms of. Or you've trained at a number of different places, right? In Korea, here in the United States. Just in this little trip to North Carolina, you will have trained with many different people from many different schools. And so what do you, what do you get out of that? Is that more a community thing? Is that more a technique thing? What about that inspires you and drives you to do it? My biggest thing is community. I love the jiu-jitsu community. Um, that's the focus on my blog. That's the focus of what I love. And in Korea, I was fortunate enough to be in the John Frankel network. John Frankel actually introduced Korea to, or he introduced jiu-jitsu to Korea. And I got a chance to train with him more than once. And it's very, very cool. And so all of his networked schools, I could just let my professor know, hey, I want to train at this school. They would call them up, set things up. And I just go to another school and I get to meet all these people and there was a, also an expat community over there, and so I'd go visit them, and there was training on base, and I'd go visit them, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, all of these jiu-jitsu people. Life is awesome. <laughs> and I've had a chance to travel to Malaysia to meet another blogger, uh, Cupcake Armbar. <laughs> Great blogger name. My, my blogger name is lame <laughs> compared to all y'all. And. I also have found that I mean, because especially when you when you are such a visible minority, meeting other minorities within that group is it feels really significant. And so, if I have only met the three women at my gym or one other woman at my gym, it you feel very isolated. But when you travel around, and I remember meeting my first female black belt, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is exciting, and getting to train with a brown belt, and this is amazing. And you get to see women at different levels, and, and you see how they're doing their, their like, how does their jiu-jitsu look compared to how the guys are training, and hearing their experiences, and it's so exciting to me. Um, so... It's, 
so usually what I would do is when I when I first started traveling, I would always take a picture with the whole group and then with just the women because I was really excited about that. Um, it's just getting to see people who look like you and getting to see people who are like you. And I feel like that's really important. And the other thing I found, too, is that it's very interesting and I hadn't known it, but different gyms and different areas tend to roll alike. And so you might have, like I remember in my um, in my gym in Korea, my instructor loved Butterfly Guard and he loved um, he loved single leg takedowns. And so I never did a single judo throw over there. And then I go to another place and it's all, you know, judo takedowns or it's all like you don't see a single um, butterfly guard for months because they're doing their deep half or uh, I never saw a single ankle lock or a single uh, wrist lock until I started training in other places. So I think part of it is raising your awareness and also legitimately like being aware of different ways people roll because it's really easy to get in ruts. It's really easy to match your technique to this person. And I think that just like when you're learning a language, you get better at the language the more people that you talk to. When you're dancing, you get better the more people you're dancing with versus if you're only dancing with your partner, you learn how to dance with them. So there you go. Yeah, all of that makes sense. And I, I noticed that I'm a firm supporter in the practice of taking pictures, particularly among folks that do not ordinarily get representation. I couldn't help but notice that after we trained the other day, you took a picture of me with someone's knee on my face. <laughs> so it's a little different than the huggy group picture. Uh, you can see that on, on, on Julia's Instagram at jujubjj on Instagram. Um, but yeah, so you, you so speaking of training with other women, and uh, you know, you got to train with Kim Rice, with Shayla too. Maybe you got to roll with Mary at Chapel. I did. Oh, that's great. So like, yeah. so it was... And, you know, and these these were folks you knew Kim through her blog Grappling Girl. Yeah, absolutely. But the others are new to you, and so like talk about a little bit about you know what's it like to meet somebody that you only know from the internet as opposed to like meeting a brand new person that you roll with. I think that when I when I meet people who I've met online and I've had like oh I know who this person is the first thing I end up doing is feeling a little bit embarrassed of like oh man now you're gonna actually see how bad my jujitsu is it's one thing to talk about it it's another to prove it so there's always that feeling uh, Julia's being falsely modest listeners <laughs> that's my feeling okay. so um well speak your truth so th that's that's part of um that that's part of the emotional feeling but Mostly I just get very, very excited of, wow, I get to talk about, I get to talk to this person. So like this summer I get to meet Georgette and I'm really excited because she's also, she along with Val Worthington were the two women bloggers who were on my radar and I read just everything they did. And, um, and so to me, a lot of those become more than just jujitsu friendships and they, they go on to something more. We do have that in common, but uh, I think that with social media, it's made that connection. Uh, it's made those lines more blurry. And so 
it's just it's very exciting to get to see a face to the like this what my image of them has been and to get to see what their personality is like you are not what i expected <laughs> this this raises the question not begs the question that's a that's a different thing but the this raises the question what did you expect i thought you were a white belt first ah! <laughs> spiritually i am a white belt i don't like i don't think i had a concrete picture of what you were like because I wasn't following your Instagram so I didn't see that you were all into wheat juice or wheatgrass <laughs> juice um, and and so you had some kind of obviously you were kind of nerdy because you were talking about Moby Dick and that obviously is sort of literate yeah. <laughs> but then you turned out to be this like green hippie yeah vegan um yeah, Ron Swanson would have something to say about yeah, that. Yeah, right. No, I, mo- <laughs> most people that know me from the internet think I'm a steroid-laden muscle head. So, <laughs> so yeah, which I kind of am. It's just vegan steroids. We call it kale. <laughs> you know, vegan steroids. But it, it is interesting, though, because, like, first of all, because of the name of the blog and the name of the podcast, Dirty White Belt, you know, I, I, was, I was talking with Dave Camarillo <laughs> about this, right? Because, like, it's a metaphor, right? You know, as your white belt gets dirtier, it changes color. Right. But you should always keep that white belt mentality. And that's sort of the idea behind it. But most people that don't, you know, that don't click on the about link just kind of assume, oh, yeah, it's a, it's a white belt. And maybe he has poor hygiene. <laughs> so, no, no. And excellent hygiene, probably. I mean, ask my training partners. But, uh, but yeah, like, it is interesting how you, you meet someone from the Internet and you don't really know, like, what, what they're going to be like in person. And, like, most of the people that, that I have met that I've known online first, like Val Worthington, you mentioned, you know, somebody that I'd followed online for a long time and has been an inspiration to me, got to meet her at the radio station, was exactly what I had expected. Was, you know, <laughs> thoughtful, intelligent, um, you know, really self-aware, compassionate, and just, like, what, one of my favorite guests and... And so, so it's that. So that's nice too. It's nice when people uh, meet at, meet your expectations as well as confound it. Absolutely. Now, I've I've I think that all of the all of the bloggers who I have followed have always been a wonderful, pleasant surprise. And part of that is because I don't follow technical training blogs at all. Those are not interesting to me. It's like somebody just posting recipes instead of talking about food. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I like people who talk about jujitsu and about their training experience. And I think that there's an authenticity that comes when you do that. And so you you do get to see somebody's inner struggles. And I don't enjoy reading like uh, polished magazine style articles. I like the gritty emotional stuff that people share and their highs and their lows. And that's exciting to me. And I think that you get to actually see what that person's like, because if you're kind of a douchebag, you're going to be one in person, too. It's going to show up in your blog. It's going to show up on your blog. Um, So I'm always really excited. I've never once been disappointed. Um. I feel like I might have disappointed some people with my stuff on the mat, but that's a separate thing. Wow. Once again, <laughs> false modesty. Well, let's segue to something that's exactly like jujitsu but different, which is nerd culture. Yes. And you and I are both interested in nerd culture and its interface with jujitsu. And so I want to. Uh, so first of all, I want to ask you about some of your favorite uh, nerdy franchises and whether you see any overlap between your interest in those and your in- interest in jujitsu. 
Uh, let's see. I just finished watching, rewatching all ten seasons of Stargate SG One. Um, yeah, I've watched every episode of all of the Stargates. Love Star Trek. I have some Star Trek tattoos. I love Doctor Who. At my wedding, my husband was wearing a Doctor Who suit, um, and he hid a um, oh lord sonic screwdriver. Yeah. And that was very exciting to me. I wore a Star Trek uniform. I have a bat left. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Uh, pretty much if it's really nerdy and it's not anime, I love it. That's, that's a generically good observation about me. If it's D&D, I love it. Role-playing games, I love it. Um, AI fit a lot of that. Nerd, like generic nerd culture. I, I love it. That's awesome. Well, I wanted I wanted to share with you and sort of brainstorm with you live on the air about something because I had a, I have a long dormant project. As you know, I designed some gear from Toro BJJ. Mm-hmm. And one of the things around is that now nowadays you didn't used to do this, but in Nogi now a lot of schools require you to have a ranked rash guard. Where if you're a white belt, your rash guard is predominantly white. If it's blue, it's predominantly blue. And, and, and so on and so forth. And so I thought it would be a super fun project to design nerdy rash guards for each. Like two of my passions are nerd culture and music. And so I was like, I should design. I only ended up designing one of these things, uh, which is, is now more or less a collector's item. Because I was going to have a music series that had like the Blue Belt would be John Coltrane's album, Blue Train. The uh-huh. Purple would be, and this is the one I did. Purple Rain. Exactly. A print, Prince rash guard, Purple Rain. It's like, and, and, and such like that. So the ones for, so I decided and and once again you know I, I tried to convince boomer i was like no man there's tons of nerds that do jujitsu and he looks at me like i'm from neptune and the one nerd rash guard because i wanted to do a similar thing for 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 nerd culture rash guards and the one nerd rash guard he let me do was a tardis which was supposed to be the blue belt rash guard right oh, the tardis right and so the so uh, you know the I, I forget all of them but the white belt rash guard was going to be gandalf the white <laughs> the brown belt rash guard of course was going to be a brown coat rash guard which uh, from Firefly, yes. the, the the late lamented Joss Whedon product, and so I'm wondering, is there any you know, and and after many you know a lot of guys out here, I know you're not an anime nerd, but a lot of folks out here love Dragon Ball Z, uh-huh. and so we did end up uh, doing a Dragon Ball Z themed one as well, and so I'm wondering what like nerd properties do you think would lend themselves best to sort of jujitsu apparel? Well, first of all, obviously superheroes. I mean, mm. come on, you're wearing spandex. Good grief, mm. except. I want to see more in, like, I actually have a, haha, picked it up for $5. I have a Captain America rash guard. Love it. And I love it because it looks like something that Steve would wear. And so that's one of the things that I see is coming up a little bit more, but not as much as I want, is that, like, don't make me a Wonder Woman rash guard with just Wonder Woman's face on it. Like, give me something so I look like I'm wearing Wonder Woman's outfit or so that I look like I'm wearing like Captain or Commander Shepard's armor from Mass Effect or something really cool like that. So that I'm I'm totally with that. Put me in the suit, right? Like don't put don't put the person's face on my chest. Put me in the suit. Yes, like uh, come on, you could wear an Iron Man like full rash guard and the arc reactor. How cool would that be? Pretty epic. Oh my god! Oh my gosh! You could come up with like a, <laughs> like a Hulk one where there's like the the muscles printed on it, and then you have like the ratty fake shorts. 
There are those that call me the vegan Hulk. Actually, oh. actually, no one calls me that. <laughs> no one at all. But, uh, but yeah. Like, uh, so if if this whole career change thing doesn't work out, you've got a future in jujitsu nerd graphic, rash guard graphic design. I can tell. Oh, I love uh, when I got when um, I think it was when I got my blue belt. I made, or it was when someone got their blue belt, and I did this Venn diagram of things that are awesome, or I put uh, things that are blue. Things that are awesome, and then the intersect was things that are awesome and blue. So, like the one character from Farscape, she's in there, and a TARDIS is in there. And so, like, other I don't remember what the other blue things I had. Oh, like, um, I don't remember what the other blue things I had, but like, my it's blue, but it's not awesome, or like Smurfs or oh. something like that. But I, I loved that idea of here's my cool Venn diagram. I'm a big believer in Venn diagrams. So I have one one question I definitely want to get to, and then I want to ask if there's anything that I haven't asked about that you want me to. But uh, the one question that I that I have that that I ask a lot of 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 uh, guests who have had a long journey is, let's say you know, young Julia it has three stripes on her white belt. Young Julia has maybe three or four stripes. She's getting ready to go to that next level. Um, I'm wondering what, knowing what you know now, what advice would you have for high white belt Julia like what what do you wish you had known then what what do you wish you'd done differently or if there's somebody in that position right now who's like you what would you say to that person in terms of continuing to train and enjoy it I would say that one of the things that honestly shocked me was when I actually did start improving and I was not emotionally prepared to be better and the first time where I looked around and I was the highest ranked person was absolutely shocking to me it's like what why what happened and my instructor's like okay leave the class today I'm like what are you talking about and so there was um there was a passivity in the training like I would just show up and train um but I what like again the I wasn't really emotionally invested and I wasn't prepared like I wasn't mentally prepared to be better and I would say that uh, you know while I was absolutely okay I'm like yeah I'm gonna be the person in who's eating paste in the back of the classroom the whole time and it's gonna be awesome I wish I had stopped using that metaphor because I think that that metaphor again is what kept me back from kind of investing in getting better and to resign myself to that position and so to say it is a okay to get better and it's okay to like focus on getting better it is okay to stop putting yourself down I haven't totally gotten (laughs) that message um, but I think that even that question what do you need to do to get better Um, And that's where one of the things I do like, I really do like it when a black belt does have, even if it's not complete, has a generic list of, I think that all blue belts should know X, Y, or Z. Um, I think that it's handy for other people as well to say, uh, because it can just feel overwhelming. It can feel overwhelming, like, oh, there's just so much to learn. And then, you know, one day they're like, okay, show us an arm bar. You're like, I can't remember anything. <laughs> show me this. And so if I know it's, you know, 
If I know, okay, you know, I really need to learn. I don't feel comfortable with an armbar. I need to learn this. You know, I don't really feel that comfortable with a triangle. What are the parts of that? I think that that would be helpful. I think that I, what I would tell younger me was, even if your instructor doesn't have it, grab a list of blue belt requirements and feel mentally like you can check those things off so that you can feel remotely confident. And I think that working on some of that confidence is important. So, Yeah, confidence is really important. And, and the only thing I always tell people, you know, confidence is important. And the way you build confidence is drilling, training, staying in the gym. And, uh, and thankfully, it's something that we love. U.S. Grappling is our favorite tournament organization for a lot of reasons. Run by grapplers for grapplers, U.S. Grappling consistently provides the best tournament experience for competitors. Whether it's a points tournament or submission only, and U.S. Grappling runs true no-time-limit submission-only events, it's the best place to compete and to watch your friends compete. Check out upcoming events and register online at usgrappling.com. So is there anything that I haven't asked about that you really wish I would have asked about in the few minutes that we have left? Let's talk about geese. All right, let's talk about it. Okay. I'm going to tell you one of my favorite things, and this is that wonderful intersection between geek culture and jujitsu culture, and I don't see uh, very many people who do it. So I go to conventions. I go to, like, nerdy dress-up conventions okay like comic-con and i think there's actually a comic-con coming up here like next weekend yes there is i don't know the name of it raleigh comic-con it's very creative yes so i'll tell you if you ever go to those it's amazing because you can buy nerdy patches for your geese and i and i love those nerdy patches and so like I always feel really sad when I hear about commu- like gyms where you're only allowed to wear, you have to wear these specific colors of geese and you have to wear our specific rash guard and you have to wear our patches. Because I'm like, you know, one of the things I love about jujitsu is that kind of expression. And so I love like flying my freak flag yeah, on yeah. my geese. So... Yeah, you know, I was a little disappointed you didn't notice my welcome to Night Vale patch. I, I was, did. did you, oh. Welcome to, it said welcome to the Vale, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I did see that. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> it's but I, purple. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I was like, it's perfect. I went and saw Night Vale live and they sold patches. When I, but yeah, I totally agree. I'm like, we could we could actually do a whole show on gi patches because I'm, I, I completely agree. I understand why people want uniformity yeah. in their gyms and stuff. And I mean, that's not really my bag. I understand that people like it. But like, I really enjoy the, hey, you know, I went to the Havasupai Indian tribe and I got their patch and this is my experience and I want to put it on my gi or you know one of my friends uh, that doesn't train is a huge fan of Jurassic Park and she got me a Jurassic Park Ranger patch <laughs> which, which I'm absolutely going to rock on my competition gi. Nice. So la- last very last question which is if you could create a patch and, and slap that sucker on your gi either from an existing nerd property or just from anything in the world what, what patch do you want? All right I'm going to be a little politically incorrect but how cool would it be to have like one of those big I, I, I would never wear this but it would be so awesome to have inside your gi um the the devil's trap from supernatural 
if, if Charlie Brake is listening to this show right now, you have just made him the happiest person. And Shannon Scott, I know, big big Supernatural fans. Oh so, yeah, yeah, it would be rad. Like be have pretty... have those symbols of protection on your rash guard. Oh, my God. I think I think you I think I think you may have just put Boomer from Pro BJJ's kids through college with all the people who would buy this. Well, well, Julia, I've had a great time talking to you. I want to thank you for coming down and training. Thank you for coming down to the show. And uh, it's been a pleasure uh, reading your blog and getting to know you in person. Thank you so much. So that's Julia. You can check out her blog at jujubjj.com. Go check that out on the internet. Discussion-based jujitsu blogging without the vitriol. Been at it for almost seven years, and there will definitely be a lot for you there if you want to check it out. So that's our show for the week. This is Dirty White Belt Radio. My name is Jeff Shaw. I would love it if you folks would share the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And if you liked it, leave us a review. If you have any suggestions, anything I didn't ask about that I should have asked about, any guests that you would like to see, please feel free to email the show at cagesidewhoop at gmail.com. That's cagesidewhoop at gmail.com. You can also get at us on Facebook at Cageside Radio, on Twitter at Dirty White Belt, and, or at DWB Radio, and on Instagram at Dirty White Belt. So um, next week's show... Uh, we're going to talk to some of our local competitors who have been to the pans, and hopefully we will have a lot of good news to report. I have faith, I have confidence, I have tactical optimism, and I'm looking forward to speaking with you all next week. This is Dirty White Boat Radio on WHUPFM in Hillsborough, North Carolina. My name is Jeff Shaw, and we will see you next week. Mm-hmm.